So when I was uh, in seminary, I, uh, we, we did something called theological reflection. So whenever we would go out, do some kind of ministry, we would have to, uh, you know, we would come back and we'd have to process what we were doing to kind of figure out where the Lord was in, in, in the, the, the uh, ministry that we were uh, engaged in. And so we'd go out and do this, that, or the other thing. We'd come home to the seminary, and then we had a class called Theological Reflection, and we'd pick apart our, our various experiences. Where is Jesus in this taking care of me? How is he in this working into the good? Uh, you know, because a lot, you know, all of, and that's a really helpful exercise, not just for seminarians or priests, but for all of us. You know, at the end of the day, when you're doing your exam and before you go to bed, say, you know, Jesus, these things happened to me today. Where were you in these things? What were you about in these things? How are you working this, this thing in my life that I really don't like or I'm not enjoying? How are you working it to the good? How are you being a good father by making sure that I know that I'm loved? Because you're taking care of me, right? Um, we should all do that. It's Lent. And it's a nice exercise to be kind of reminded that, you know, we're... Uh, we're children of, of a loving God, and He gives us all that we need, and He takes care of us, right? Um, if you if you look at like the the first reading today, uh, Adam and Eve had that identity; they knew they were loved, and they lived on that love. That was their whole existence was being basking in the glow of God's love for them, right? This is what they did until. They forgot who they were. See, Adam, who was uh, the guy who was in charge of the sanctuary, in charge of the garden, garden, protect, till, and keep. Uh, that's all liturgical language for his sanctuary, and he's the, he's the priest of his family, and he's supposed to be watching over it. Well, he doesn't, and we know this because the serpent gets in. If, the, if he had been doing his job, the devil never would have gotten in. And so he's you know, off doing something and sleeping on the couch, watching Sports Center or something, and... Uh, you've got uh, Eve there all by herself and, and vulnerable, and the devil goes right for her. And, and he says, now, tell me about your rules. And she says, well, there are no rules. We, 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 we live on uh, friendship with God. He loves us, and he takes care of us. We don't need rules. We just have the one rule, and that is that the tree at the center, we're not supposed to eat from that tree, tree of knowledge of good and evil. And you say, well, why would God do that? Why, not, why have that rule? Because, first of all, he's the creator, we're the creature. There has to be a line that separates us from him, and so that would be it. But it's that tree, especially as, as the knowledge, tree of knowledge of good and evil, that's the, that's the decision-making power that God reserves for himself to determine what's right and what's wrong. We don't get to do that. We still don't get to do that, but we do it. Call it moral relativism. I get to decide what's right for me. I get to decide what's wrong for me. You decide for yourself, I'll decide for myself. Well, what happens? It's chaos. We have as many people in the world, or that's how many moral systems we have. And it, it doesn't work. Right? Moral relativism is, a, is, the, is the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil that was violated, right? And so what happens when we forget who we are, when we forget that God's a good father and he's taking care of us, uh, we do things like that. And what did Eve do? Think about it. She looked at it, and she said, boy, it's a, tree. It's, it's a beautiful tree. That fruit looks amazing. I bet you it tastes really good, and I bet you it's going to make me really smart. Well, that is, that is, all right, it looks good, lust of the eyes, tastes good, lust of the flesh, and it's going to make me really smart, the pride of life. That's the threefold concupiscence. 
that by forgetting who they were and that God was a loving Father, they unleashed in their own lives and in the lives of all of us the three sins that are the basis of all sin. Somehow, whatever sins we're committing, it has to do with greed, lust of the eyes, I want that, lust of the flesh, uh, that's any kind of lust, we, we just, we want it, uh, and then the pride of life, all of us have got some kind of pride going on. So, by forgetting who we are, we fall back, our default original sin is one of those three. But God's a loving Father, and he's taking care of us. So he sends us Jesus, his son, as our loving brother. And what does he do? He goes first to the Jordan and gets baptized. Remember that? He goes to the Jordan and he gets baptized, not because he needs it, but we need it. He goes into the water to sanctify the water so that when we go into it, we receive that life that we lost in the garden. All right, so... He's, he does that, and, and, and the Spirit comes down and anoints him as he comes out of the water. And God says, what does God say? This is my beloved Son. I love him. Listen to him. God is still the loving Father. And he, what he, who he loves now is, his, is the Word, but the Word made flesh. The Word that's taken on our flesh is loved by God, is taken care of by God. And so right away it says, the Spirit drove Jesus into the desert. Why? Because Jesus is going to redo Eden. Remember? Satan, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. What are the three temptations? After, when Jesus is there for 40 days and 40 nights, easiest day of a diet is the first day, right? The, la- the worst day is the 40th day when you're hungry. And, and so he goes right at Jesus, and he's going to try to get Jesus to deny who he is. He's going to get Jesus to deny his identity as a beloved son of God. And a, and a beloved brother of ours. If he can get Jesus to deny that he's one of us and that he, if he, if he can get Jesus to not take on our, our weaknesses, he's one. And so he goes at it. He goes, Jesus, you're hungry. Turn those stones into bread. And Jesus says, not on, my bread, not on bread alone does man live, but every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. What is the word that comes forth from the mouth of God? It's Jesus. It's, it's love in the flesh. Jesus is the love in the world that is going to heal our sinfulness. It's necessary that Jesus knows who he is as one of us, tempted like us in all things but sin. So he says, not on every word, Uh, not on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. And so, all right, fine. Devil takes him. All right, what's the next thing that afflicts us? He takes him up to the top of the temple. Throw yourself off, and the angels will come, and they'll lift you up, and they'll spin you around, and, and there'll be expo- you know, big explosions of light, and, and people are going to look at you and think you're the most amazing thing in the world. <laughs> the irony is he, he already is. And Jesus is like to the devil, I don't need you to tell me I'm great. I don't need you to tell me who I am. I know I'm the son of a loving God, and I'm a, I'm a brother of of all of humanity, and I'm here for them. I don't need anybody, I don't need you, Satan, telling me what the deal is. All right, I don't, I'm not, that's, that's the pride of life. You just jump off and the angels will spin you around, people are gonna think you're amazing. That's pride, we all love that, we all wanna do that. We all want somebody telling us how great we are. Jesus doesn't need that, he knows who he is. He's living on the love of the Father. Third, third one, We've done the, uh, uh, we've done the uh, lust of the flesh, that's the bread. We've done the pride of life, 
that's the throwing off the temple. And so he finally takes him up to the top of the mountain. He says, look, all these kingdoms of the world, I'll give to you if you just bow down and worship me. Well, what is that? When you see something and you want it, that's lust of the eyes. Jesus says, no, only God gets the worship. Not, not you, Satan, you of all people, right? Jesus knows who he is. He's a son of a loving father. He's a brother of ours, and he's here to save us. And he can't do it if he denies his humanity, which is afflicted by temptation. He's a, his, his flesh is afflicted by, by sin, by, by the temptation to sin. He doesn't do it, but we do. We're guilty. And so he comes, and he will not deny us. He will not deny our flesh that he has taken on to save. And that's how you beat the devil at his own game. That's what he's doing. That's what, we're for, that's what Lent is for. It's to identify the areas of our life where we're weak, where we have forgotten who we are, and we have allowed those threefold concupiscence. What do I, how do I engage in lustful behavior? How do I engage in, in uh, that greed, that lust of the eyes, and how do I engage in prideful behavior? It's one of those three sins. That's where we forget who we are. Well, we don't think God's going to take care of us, so we're going to take it for ourselves because it's pleasing to the eye, good to the taste, and it's going to make me really smart. Jesus beat the devil at his game. That life that he has where he knows who he is and won't deny us is the life he's given to us in our baptism. You have that life. You can be victorious over the threefold concupiscence, but you can't forget who you are. You're a beloved child of God. You are a beloved brother of Jesus Christ. Sister, brother of Jesus Christ. Live on that. It's enough. Jesus is always going to be enough. There's a, one of my favorite movies. Uh, it's called Moonstruck. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's an old movie, uh, 20 years ago. Uh, Cher was in it. She won an Academy Award for it. And uh, I don't, I'm not a big fan of Cher, but she did a really good job in this movie. And the whole movie is, is excellent. And it's about this family that just goes crazy. They forget who they are. All of them, except the mother. She holds it all together. And so, you know, the, you know the, the kids are, you know, acting out because they forget who they are. The, the dad is, like, the, the worst of the bunch because, you know, he's, so, he's getting old and he's afraid he's going to die, so he's going to go back and act like he did when he was 20. And so he's, he's you know, uh, hooked up with some gal, having an affair. And, and the wife calls him on it. She says, Cosmo, you're going to die. Knock it off. And he gets upset. He takes off one evening and just get out, get out of the house. And she's there by herself because her kids are off doing crazy stuff. And, and, and so she goes, to, she goes, I'll just go out to dinner. And so she goes to a restaurant. We live in New York City. And she goes to this neighborhood place. And she's sitting there by herself having dinner. And so, so some guy walks in and sees her and says, walks over. He goes, I'm by myself. You're by yourself. You wanna, can, can I have dinner with you? Can I sit here at your table? And she goes, sure. Why not? And so they have a nice dinner and they're talking and, and you can tell that this guy kind of fancies her. And he's chatting her up and, and uh, 
dinner's over, and, and he goes, can I walk you home? You know, it's New York City. So she says, sure, walk me home. So they get to her house. There's nobody home because they're all out acting crazy because they forgot who they were. And he says to her, can I come up? There's nobody home. Can I come up? And she says, no, you can't come up. And he goes, why? Why can't I come up? Why won't you let me come up? And she says to him, best line in the whole movie, because I know who I am. You see the threefold concupiscence that was there? Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life, all of it. But she remembered who she was. A beloved child of God with a husband who needed her help and kids who needed her advice and for her to be there. She remembered who she was as a beloved sister of Jesus Christ. She's loved by him. So she, in the face of all the crazy stuff in her life, could turn around and love her crazy family. Don't forget who you are. It's it's Lent. Do some theological reflection. Think about what the Lord is doing in your life today and every day. Think about all the crazy things that go on and ask yourself this question, Lord, where are you in all this? How are you working this crazy situation to the good? How are you showing me that you are a loving father? Jesus, how are you showing me that you are my loving brother and that you're never going to abandon me and that you'll love me and I can live on that love and everything is going to be okay? If we do that, we're going to have a great Lent.